Fortitude Nutrition Coaching, also known as FNC, aims to educate their clients and provide them with the tools necessary to create sustainable change. FNC believe that proper nutrition can enhance all aspects of one's life, brain, body, health, movement, and soul. With so many conflicting ideologies and fads surrounding nutrition, FNC aim to simplify the fundamentals and build on individual foundations in a way that is suited to the individual. For more information, check out their website at fortitudenutritioncoaching.com.au. Unassuming, unarmed, but dangerously uneducated. With useful lessons for the not quite dead yet, GK and F are the voice of a generation who know what the fuck is up. Salve interweb. Welcome to GK and F episode 37. Batman's cousin can't reverse park. <laughs> Is there any reasoning for that uh, name? Uh, no, I just imagine that that's, that'd be a funny thing, like especially if you're sitting with your father-in-law and you had to reverse park, how embarrassing it would be. Yeah, and, but- and you're Batman's cousin, so you should be able to do heaps of shit. Batman's cousin sitting somewhere in the bush, just like just slamming his fist down, going, "I can." <laughs> I absolutely can. I've defamed another person. <laughs> Add that to the list. Dude, today, this person, do you know what's interesting? He does lots of stuff, Edward, you're about to introduce our guest soon. But do you know what's something you might know far? What? I believe, and he'll he'll correct me or, or agree with me eventually, he was the first person that I know outside of Thailand that owned a tuk-tuk. <laughs> I still have it. <laughs> And it's still registered. I just had to move it from my parents up the Lapston Hill, and it just made it. Oh. It just made it. So I'm hoping for it to make a comeback. I'm going to start putting some money into it, and you'll see it around. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to introduce Barry Radford to GKNF. Thanks for coming in, Duke. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. I tell you what, that dose of tone of your voice sounds fantastic, so people will already be enjoying this. I'll probably put them to sleep. <laughs> So the tuk tuk that I know uh, I just we spoke about, and you did say you did still have it. How do you get a tuk tuk? Do you have to get one of those over from Thailand or something? No, no. We actually found out when I got it. So it took me two years to get it registered, and it needs to come from a guy in Western Australia. So if you get one of his and you can prove it's one of his, you can get it registered. He used to make he had a license to make about a hundred a year. Um, if you import them, you can't. So that's the trick. Don't import them and think you're going to get it registered. Now, these are the tuk-tuks, you know, like it's not left or right-hand drive. Is it like it, it's the like the really small vehicles? Like, um, Well, it's actually classed as a three-wheel car, so you don't need a motorbike license for it. You mm-hmm. technically don't have to wear a helmet. Uh, it's, this one's got seat belts, and yeah, it's front front's motorbike, back's car. So cool. a hundred a year tuk-tuks, just, uh, this is just interests me. So there's a lot of tuk-tuks out there, but I've only ever known your one. <laughs> there, there's a couple. I think he could make up to 100. How many he actually made each year, I'm not sure. 
There are a few. I've heard a couple of them come out of the woodwork and say, oh, man, my uncle's got one or my grandfather's got one. But, yeah, there's not too many of them on the road. That's a, that's a, that's such a, I, just, I remember the first time someone said, hey, uh, you know Bo, he's, uh, he's got a tuk-tuk. I went, sick. Yeah, because when you first said that, I was thinking of uh, Seinfeld. Remember um, Newman and Kramer got the, um, <laughs> the the one that you actually hold? Is that a rickshaw? That's a rickshaw. A rickshaw. Yeah. Bo's imagine running that up the last <laughs> Now, now, now we're talking <laughs> ultra, ultra marathon run. That's hardcore. That's, that's some good trading right there. So, dude, uh, ultra marathon running. Now, first question: Did you get into it just because it's a rad name? <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. So, um, yeah, so ultras are anything over forty-six kilometers. So they range from. 46 up to oh, whatever i know one guy at the moment who's going to do a 200 mile which is about 360 kilometers jeez and that and, is that what the uh, there's a couple of famous like the moab 200 i guess is yeah, one of those famous yeah there's that, the the three three states in america there's a lot over there so um yeah i thought it'd be a good challenge something to put my mind to and see if i could get through it how did we were running before you started? Obviously, you didn't go from uh, walking up to KFC to get lunch one day to go. And, I'm going to do an ultra. Like we already, <laughs> you're obviously already were fit enough to. St- yeah, start well, well, I think that's one of the things you'll find with them is that you don't have to be that fit. Probably the majority of it, you do walk. It is impossible to run over you know 100 k's. It's, you, you're not going to run it all unless you're a freak. So you can walk it, but it's the mindset of just getting through it and making sure that you can just continue to walk day in, day out. But I was doing kickboxing for about four or five years and was getting a little bit sick of that and just the, the weight and didn't really enjoy the fighting aspects of it. So mm. um, my trainer was doing uh, an ultra and I started running with him and he introduced me to a few guys up the mountains and we used to go on runs every weekend up the mountains and next thing you knew it I'd entered the North Face 100 and that was it we North we Face 100 where, where is that so that's up in uh, Lura so they've changed the name now it's gone to uh, Wild Ultra mm-hmm. and it's 100 k's in uh, the, um, yeah Blue Mountains so and it must be hard is it obviously it's in the mountains so you've got that what do you call it like the elevation, elevation. how do you how do you bring that into like to, to get the um, like the metrics or the, the statistics of a run like is that a, a certain thing like the elevation in, included within yeah so it, it's the elevation isn't included in the actual 100 kilometers it's just 100 kilometers distance mm-hmm. but with the elevation i have seen some stats on it so the north face um was four and a half k's elevation up and down yeah so if you figure it's like going to everest base camp and back down in a day Jeez. wow and so you, how long did when you go i'm gonna do this north face 100 to running it how what was your training preparation time to uh probably did about good eight to six months it was fairly running I, I was running anyway so i was able to get you know 10 k's out but this then become you know just hard hard 16 k's 20 k's 25 30 k's yeah when i was at my peak i was running Four twenty k, like a twenty k's a day, and then on a Wednesday I would go do stairs for an hour and a half. 
The laps and stairs. The laps and stairs. I did those the other week, F. <laughs> <laughs> They're fucking still hard. <laughs> What's the elevation of those bad boys? <laughs> that was like going to the top of Everest, I'm sure. I tried to make a comeback, uh, yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I'm going to go run the stairs and... Uh, yeah, they're, they're a lot tougher than what I remembered. Because <laughs> um, when we used to live together over at uh, Cambridge Parkway, uh, G- G- GK and I, 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 was, I was saying to you when you walked in the door, the last time we seen each other, I think because when, when we were living there, I used to always see you run past the house. And, Get it, bro! <laughs> How's it going? And, and I didn't know if, it, if you were still running the same race every time I saw you. I didn't know. <laughs> it was one of his ultras. It was still just going. Just going around. It was a bit like that. I had my same running track that I'd run every day. And uh, yeah. yeah, by the time I think I was a, yeah, a little bit of a celebrity, I'd be running and ho- cars would be hooting me and like people would be waving and had no idea who they were. They just knew that I ran that every afternoon. Uh, so uh, what, what were you running then? Like, And this would have been about eight years ago, maybe? So that was a. I had a 10k loop from my house, and I used to run that twice every day. And how long would that take you? Like, what's a loop? I was doing that 20. in under an hour and a half. I used to be able to do that in like an hour twenty for 20k's. And I imagine though the that so the running's part of your prep for your fitness, but mentally, like how you <laughs> knew for eight months you were going to have to go a hundred miles. Yeah, it, 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 it's very mental. Um, 100Ks. Yeah, 100Ks. Oh, yeah, 100, yeah, 100, 100 miles is, yeah. uh, is, is probably, probably the next yeah. step. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, It's very, very mental. You know that you're going to hurt. You don't go into 100Ks knowing that at the end of it, you're still going to have all your toenails. You're still going to be able to walk the next day. You do get yeah, you get hurt. Um, but it's just knowing that every step you take is a step closer break it down into little slots so <laughs> you know when you get to the next checkpoint you're going to get some hot food you're going to go get a new clear clean clothes you're going to get new socks and those little things are the things that you can use to push it to the next thing and that's a mindset thing not everyone can run 100 kilometers some people have a mindset that naturally leans towards you know what you said there it's like each step's getting me closer it's like um you know or you've got the the checkpoints to break it up do you have you always had that that kind of mindset that you think can get you through those arduous you know? I, I think I probably have but I think anyone can sort of have it it's just something you need to work work on and it's all your preparation to come into it so you know like we said before you don't go into these races not have done done doing the distance like you, you, you won't run the 100k's but if you know that you've been doing 10k's a day and you, on the weekend you might do a 20 or a 30 you're going to do it. You're used to running sore. You're used to being tired and being able to get through it. And once you get through that, it's all then just a mindset. You go, okay, I'm just going to go out and do another weekend run, my 20K run. Okay, let's go do that. Let's go do that again five times. <laughs> Surely there was some Sundays where you went, let's not go out and run. <laughs> like oh, the... the, the- <laughs> The worst used to be the guys I was running with, they used to like to do it real early. So we used to be, I think it was like four o'clock, we used to leave from uh, the station and I'd be driving past and had to go past Panthers and you'd see all these guys walking home and I'd be like... (laughs) That used to be me. I probably show us them right now. (laughs) That that looks a lot more fun than what I'm about to put myself in. That's when I saw you running. (laughs) (laughs) That's, uh, uh, Jordy and I, we did did a bit of a workout last Sunday morning and as I was driving towards uh, Emu Plain, Fields. I didn't tell you this. 
was driving down the M4 and, and going over the bridge there, and there was two guys walking, two sad sacks, just walking back, dirt bags. And I looked at them and was like, I remember when I was there, it was like this sliding doors where I was like, geez, I'm glad I'm on this side, in a car, <laughs> with eight hours, eight hours sleep under my belt. So the preparation, like you were saying, you got change of clothes, you're not going to have your toenails, you're going to mm. probably blister, I imagine, you, you're gonna have, yeah. your shoes are going to be bashed up. Like imagine as a novice going into the, your first big race, if you don't have anyone telling you what to expect, you're not going to be prepped up for that stuff. Like what goes into sort of the preparation before you go to 100K? What I've found is that it's, it's a nice little community. So once you start running, you start meeting new people, you start going to them and you, you rely on them a lot. They'll give you a lot of background of what you what to do, what not to do. Um, as much as it is an individual sport, like on the day to get there, there's a lot of effort that goes on behind the scenes. Like the amount of time you're away from family and friends just running on weekends or running in the afternoons is tough. So it does take its toll on them. But then on the day, you're also relying on them to get through. So I used to have a note and I would have at each checkpoint what food, what clothes, what you know medication I need. And I'd have all that set out. I'd run through with my crew before, which was normally my mum and dad and um, a couple of friends. What do you mean, friends. Chris? So I'd have a... <laughs> a Sorry, bit just, of a just touch your hand there. Whoa, we had a Tell moment. Me, can I join your crew? <laughs> <laughs> so the crew, like, so, you know... Like, as it is an individual sport you're the one out there running but we would have like a a team, a, a team like a a pit crew that would Jeez. come with us and you know they would be at the checkpoints with us and they would know what clothes what you know food we'd have we would rock up at you know checkpoint three and it might have been spaghetti bowl so they would have the chairs ready spaghetti bowl heated up for us new clothes all set out drop off your bags they go fill up your bags full of water Wow. Come back, give you a rub down if you need one, give you your medication, and then give you the encouragement to get up and go out. So this first 100K, how long was it from start to finish for you, yourself? I did 17 hours, 17 hours and 15 minutes. Any sleep in that 17 hours? I'm no. guessing none, no, no sleep. And, and your checkpoints, your stops at your checkpoints, would you have those time to you don't want to be stopped for more than... 15 minutes or you're pretty much banging the food down getting change going yeah we we tried to have like a 15 minute um cap on them but depending on how you feel sometimes that blows out but Mm -hmm. while you're good you need to keep going what you find is that there's a big roller coaster you're up and down you feel good getting second and third and fourth and fifth and probably 20th wins over 100 k's yeah it's a it's it's a big roller coaster ride there's sometimes where you feel amazing and then 10 minutes later, you, you want to cry, you're walking, and mm. then you know, 10 minutes after that, you come good and you're running again. So, <laughs> you, know, you know those days when you go out to train and you just don't feel it, like from the very first, yeah. you're the first thing you do, like before or even a warm-up? I can imagine that because there must be guys at two ultras that the first step of an ultra, you go, oh, this is fucking going to be a prick. Yeah. That, one of, that must it's, be the worst thing. It's one of those things like you, we used to laugh, you have a real hard day at work and then you go out and you have one of those training sessions and then, you know, you're coming home, it's seven, seven o'clock at night and you think, fuck, if this was race day, I would be like halfway through right now. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, like I, yeah. I would still have at least another five hours to go. <laughs> I don't like, know, <laughs> oh, this is going to be a long day. Um, all right, so you've, what was the first race called again, Bo? The Lithgow one? North Face. North, North Face, Face 100. Yeah. North Face 100. And that was your first um, yeah. 100 uh, kilometre race that you'd done. Yeah. Now, move, what year was that? How long that was that? That was one? 2012, I think. 2012. Okay, so from that, where did you go to next? I've done the North Face, so I did that. Four times. Four times. Yeah, and then since then we did the teams one, which is the Oxfam um, team of four, which is another 100K. And that's more of a walk, but we tried to mm-hmm. get the best time we could on that. Were you, over every time you've done the North Face, are you trying to beat that your previous year's time as a PB? It, it's been interesting. So the first year I did a lot of prep and I got through and I actually finished at 17 hours and I was running with my trainer and he started to struggle at about 30, 40 Ks with blisters. And I gathered, well, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Let's just stick together and push each other through. So we got through 17 hours so over the moon with that, finished my first ultra, mm-hmm. um, but wanted to know if I could do do better. So the next year, come back and tried to actually give that a good crack. And I think I did 12.55 on that one. So, so cut down, cut a heap of time yeah, for, cut a heap, and that was a lot of running. Like I sort of just continued straight from there. Twelve months of prep on that one. Um, yeah, a couple of offs. I went from there to the Sydney Marathon and did three hours and forty-five seconds. So In just a standard outside. marathon of 40, yeah. 42 k, forty-two. Um, yeah. So then, then come back and yeah, did the twelve fifty-five, which I was ecstatic with. Um, and then come back the next year and tried to uh, give it another crack and ended up really sick. So ended up with rhabdomyolysis, which is that's when your your muscles break down into a protein that gets into your bloodstream and then your kidneys can't process. can't process it, so they start to shut down. And did that happen mid mid race? Happen. I started to go bad about the fifty four k mark. I come out of there and I was feeling great and I was like, yep, this is going to be a great. And then about four Ks after that, it just, I was going up this place called Nelly's Glen and it's these lot of stairs and mm-hmm. it was really weird. It was just like um, all of these fern trees that were over the top of me started to close yeah. in and um, I had to make it up these stairs and I hallucinated a little bit and I remember walking up and I started to stumble and I thought there was a rock next to me and I went to grab hold of it and my hand went straight through it and it ended up being a fern tree. Oh, gee. <laughs> so, so your mind's playing tricks on you. Yeah, so I got got up there and then ended up just struggling through through that one. Did you? Um, and you finished the race? Finished it, finished it. I can't even remember what time I got on there. It wasn't too bad, but it was And wasn't. how does that, how do, what was it, what was it called, the... Repto. Yeah, so how does that, is that... I oh, know. Is it cause that you're not eating enough throughout yeah, the run, or a bit of that? Just over overdoing your muscles, over exhaustion. So, I think my um, my uh, nutrition probably wasn't right for race day, and um, 
because I was hurting a lot, then I took a couple of painkillers that then body couldn't process. So the mixture of that with a bit of dehydration just mm. makes it bad. So there's the old um, you know, like that before you play footy on the weekend or something, you know. Carb load, carb load. Is that something that you do? Like yeah, with yeah, ultra- yeah. a thing? Yeah, so yeah, I, I carb load the day before and like even on the day, like the amount of food you eat because of the calories you're burning is yeah. like three, four times that I'd, like, that I'd eat on a on a normal day. And we you'd would, probably still be calorie deficient, wouldn't you, because of the amount of Ks you'd cover them. Yeah, so like, you know, we would have a, you know, Krispy Kreme donuts and we'd be eating two or three of them at every checkpoint. Oh, see, so that's a good payoff for ultramarathon. What good. are you complaining about? <laughs> It was great, yeah. It was the only time I got to eat Krispy Kreme donuts and didn't feel bad about yeah, it. Yeah, that's Just awesome. Grab them. Um, chicken rolls. You know, you'd have, you know, lunchtime you'd have two chicken rolls. Then you would get to the next stop, we'd have spaghetti bolognese and all this with, like, Krispy Kreme donuts on the way and lollies and everything just to keep your energy up to get through. Did you have those little... Um, the gels? Ge- yeah, what is that? Yeah, oh, that's just pure... Glucose. Glucose, sugar. Yep. You need to be really careful with them. What's that? So if you don't have them at the right time and if you have too many, they go straight through. So Shitting on the run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of my mates was when we did the marathon together. I think you guys know him. You know, Duffy? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Clinton Duffy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. So, 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 so we'll run the marathon, the city marathon together, and uh, he had never had the gels before, and he had about three before the before we started. It's he just was, a laxative effect. He was feeling great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And then he had to stop at every checkpoint and use the toilet <laughs> from then to the end of the race and, up doing like a five or a six hour marathon because yeah. he, he couldn't run like three three k's before. And because he's Jeez. obviously got to burn more calories to do that as well. <laughs> uh, and you can imagine what some of these toilets would have been, uh, you know, yeah, halfway through a marathon. Oh, jeez. Oh, no, no, I was going to ask, like, um, with your body, like, do you feel the effects on your body now, or do you feel like pretty solid, like? Um, yeah, I think I'm starting to feel a little bit, but I've always been active. So, you know, there was a, you know, many years of football, so about mm-hmm. you know five, six years of kickboxing, yeah. and then got into this. So, you know, the sore knees and everything that happened, I'm just starting to put down. It's just... Is it your everything. joints that are like, you know, your hips, your knees? Yeah, it's probably my hips and uh, knees a little bit, but I've been pretty lucky. I haven't got anything serious, and yeah. After you finish those marathons... What are you just exhausted, or you do you go? I'm going out. I've put eight months of work into this first one, or whatever it is, and go. Oh, let's go to the pub. Oh, I'd love to say that you do. There, there are some guys. There's some guys out there, and you see them crack a beer when they get to the end. I'm like, I wish I was you right now. Um, for me, especially my first one, it was more of a sense of achievement by mm-hmm. myself like it was an inner achievement where um i was able just to sit back and go you know fuck, i'm glad that i did that i got yeah. through it um and happy in myself i didn't have to go out and celebrate it but um 
even the team one, the team ones we've done, which is really weird. Like you run there at a team you spent, you know, our last one we spent 21 hours on our feet, had been up for over 24 hours together by the time we caught the train to the start line and, and got there and we finished and no one said a word to each other. We just <laughs> put on some comfy clothes and hopped up and left. <laughs> that was the last time. I did. Still to this day, we haven't spoken so many times. It's, it's like when you've gone on a weekend, like a Bucks week, with your mates and at the end of it it's just like if I don't have to speak to you again for a year it'll be too soon <laughs> like, you know I played football my whole life I played football for 13 14 years 15 years I think somewhere around about Cambridge there. Park Cambridge Park Penrith get a parky up here yeah <laughs> um, and you know I, I used to see footballers as athletes yeah, you know, I looked up to him, and then I went across to uh, kickboxing for a while. And you know, after a few months, I would see these guys that, after you know, like training for a year, would get their first fight. They would have to cut four or five kilos. They wouldn't be eating any macas. They wouldn't be going out on the pierce. They wouldn't be you know. Like I remember when we were doing this, we wouldn't go out to our friends' places because we knew that if we went there, that there was going to be beers, there was going to be all this food that we couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. So we just used to hang together and go over to one of the you know the other fighters' place and we would sit there and have water and watch some TV and, you know, eat a salad because we had to cut weight. And this would go on for, you know, months before, before a fight. And then, like, I'd see, you know, a first grader who's on a bye weekend or has played on the Friday, been in the papers because he went out and got drunk on a Saturday night. And I used to think, how can you do that? How can you pay, play a professional sport and still you know, go out and drink and do mm-hmm. those things? And I started thinking about it. And if you think of um, the Commonwealth Games that's coming up, yep. the people in that have given up four years of their life to get to this point. If you're a trampolinist or if you're a, you know one of these lesser sports, a batman guy... Mm-hmm. He's, and they're amateurs, amateur yeah, athletes. Yeah, he, he's not making a living off, off that sport. He may or he may not be, but he, he's not driving no Ferrari. And he's given up the last two, three years of his life to get to this one point. And I just think that is a very you know, interesting thing that's going on with like today, especially with... like the league guys hmm. it's probably any like a lot of the mainstream sports is that for somehow i wonder how good they would be if they could just cut that out and become like as as dedicated and as you know um committed as what some of these lesser guys are that in these sports that don't get the recognition it's do you reckon it's a bit of culture as well that surrounds growing up and and playing football like um I know what you're saying because the term athlete can be used quite loosely or professional athlete usually has this connotation as, you know... Supreme athlete. Supremo, yeah, like every facet. And there are athletes like that, but there are athletes who are, I mean, you know, who are young, who are kids, who, um, you know, it it is an interesting point. Yeah, and it... Look, I, I know they're probably doing it better now. I know when I was growing up that, you know, a lot of the clubs would bring guys down from the country and put them into a house and let them, you know, live by themselves and sort themselves out. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was chaos. Yeah. Where, um, you know, now I think they've got a bit of guidance around them. They have someone looking over them, you know. So I think that bit is better. But there is, yeah, there, there is still that culture that goes on. And it's that mentality of, you know, that, 
yeah, it is a bye weekend. We can go drink. And I just thought it was very interesting to go outside and step out outside of that world and go into this other world where, you know, it's kickboxing and also the running where these guys, you know, people aren't doing it for big pay. They're doing it because they love it and they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But the amount of commitment and dedication they put towards it is probably yeah. a lot more than that I've seen, you know, some professional athletes yeah. put towards it. I wonder if it comes back to like an individual versus team sport too, where if you're not at your best in an individual sport, be it in the ring or on a, on a trail running 100 kilometres, it's only you that you're letting down and it's only you that can get yourself out of it in football. You've got a team around you. You've got other people that you can probably slack off and rely on them. I, I went out and got on the piss and did whatever and had a party on the weekend, but hopefully 12 of me other yeah. mates Have a didn't. blinder. <laughs> didn't, and we, we get by. But as a runner, you, you got who you, who's going to do it for you. No one's moving your legs. I think mm. you're right. Like, you, you know, both of those sports, if things go bad, it's a very lonely place when you're out there. So there's that in the back of your head that you don't want that to happen so you probably are a bit more switched on a bit more dedicated and committed to that because there is no one else that can get you out of it if you go into a bad place i think kickboxing it is high stakes as well like um it's literally you could get kicked in the head and you don't want to you know put all this dedication into prepping you know go out you know have that kind of lapse and then you know lose the fight and you got to go back and reanalyze what did i do wrong well, you know it's at you you hold you shoulder the burden yourself <coughs> plus you get hit in the head yeah that's nice that would be the worst hard. bit <laughs> was that something that was hard when you were doing kickboxing like is that going, when you stop yeah i i'm going to get hit in the head <laughs> I, I actually did mind getting hit in the head because you don't normally feel it. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Hit in the head is all right. It's like, yeah, hit in the stomach or a yeah, leg blow or something like that. They're, they're the painful ones. But, um, why I stopped it is that I found for myself i become a different person when I had a fight. I naturally do not like violence. violence. Like, I, I, I don't like to fight. So for me, it was a very unnatural thing to actually step into a ring and be there to to fight someone. And I found that when I did take a fight, that that's all I thought about. And I would have guys, you know, there's guys out there that just love it. They they you know they, they live and breathe it. They're at weigh in, and they you know they, they don't have a fight. They're hoping that someone pulls out and they will take a fight, no matter what weight division or mm-hmm. who it is. I'm sitting there hoping that my guy trips over on the way up to the scales and breaks his leg so I don't have to fight. Um, but for me, it was a, a bit of a challenge. I put myself to it to actually see if it was something that I could do because it was something so unnatural to me. And, yeah. Did it change? You say to change it. What Did you sort of that... Uh alpha male sort of testosterone beefed up thing come out of you more or was it more just no i actually actually went more um withdrawn i would like sink into myself and that's all i would focus about i wouldn't talk to people because it was on my mind and that was one of the things the funny things I, i found about kickboxing is that you know you've got this idea that you know the good fighters are these alpha males and they're out there and this it's so far from the truth like all of the real good fighters are quietly spoken intelligent some 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 (laughs) no but they're, they're quietly spoken they don't get frustrated but they have to put on like a bit of a persona 
because it is a mind game. So you try to like weigh ins. I always you'd see all these guys that have trained, and then on weigh in day, yeah, you know, they're talking about what time their hair appointment is and their 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 solarium <laughs> visit because you've got to turn up to the weigh in and look better than the other guy. And it's all a mental game. Like you look at the other guy going, yeah, look, I, I've done this easy. Like look how proud I am. <laughs> have you have you seen some of the um the weigh in bloopers? On on like uh, on the socials, no, hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> so you, you got the guys who are pretty lighthearted that come in and you know the blow kisses, and then you know sometimes the two guys will give it a hug. You yeah. know it's pretty, you know, pretty benevolent. They're pretty, you know, how's it going? There was this guy who's like this Russian fighter, like this meathead, like you know, trying to suck himself up, <laughs> and he just went straight up and just punched the guy in the face. The guy, <laughs> boom, do the weight, like another way in the part. You know, they, they, what is it called after weighing? But they come in the and face, face off, the, the face, face off. off. Yeah. He just, he just like blew a cord and just like, <laughs> punched the guy in the face. Well, my my biggest blooper was uh, I think it was my second fight, and we had the weigh in. So I've gone up there and um, yeah. Didn't really think too much about it, so I've just got up there, dropped down my pants, and I'm in a white pair of um, Kelvin Kleins. Thought, yeah, they're pretty cool. They're taking photos, and I come back, and the trader goes, "Skid marks." No, he's just like, <laughs> "Don't ever wear white white undies to a to a wave. And I was like, "Why?" And he goes, "Because they come sea flu, sea flu with the flash." <laughs> Could that so, not have been another intimidatory act of when you look at your opponent? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so for any of you listeners out there, if you look hard enough, you'll probably find it somewhere on the internet. A photo of me and a pair of white Kelvin clients with uh, with all your manhood, yeah, Joey. Yeah. All right, I'm sure we can find that photo and post it on Facebook. <laughs> oh, thanks. No, of course, we'll do that. Because I enjoy running too. Like I love. Um, I'm trying to like um, what I love about running is the space being by myself I enjoy that um, and I've noticed when I run of these little idiosyncrasies I have and I want to see if you have some of these as well yourself so when you're running you know you start to get in your rhythm with your feet do you ever breathe to a rhythm of your feet like a <laughs> I probably do it, it's funny you say that because I've never really thought of it but I um I breathe in and do a deep breath in and then I'm with my feet like just go <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so I do that. And I solve all of the world's problems. <laughs> uh, like, you deep in thought? Yeah, I come out and run. And, that, and that's probably one of the things I do enjoy about it is when I go out and run, any of the issues I've got, if it's work, if it's home, any of those things, it just gives you time to think about it and you get away and I just clear my mind and I come back and, you know, there's sometimes where I've gone, no, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to do to get focused. Yep. Mm-hmm. Starting next week, I'm going to go change this. I'm going to go do this, and it's all from just having that time by yourself in your mm-hmm. own head. Yeah, and it's like your your mind and your body goes into this automated mode, you know, and it, and it does give you your mind time to it frees up yeah. your mind. Yeah. Okay. What about um? You must have a pretty awesome pair of headphones when you're running. I don't. You don't run I with headphones. Don't. I don't. No, like all, all of the races I haven't done with headphones. Really? Yeah. Um, See, I like space for myself, but I don't yeah. like myself that much to yeah. run without them. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I do sometimes have music there, but I couldn't tell you what was played and when. I just tune out and it's there in the background, but I wouldn't know. So, yeah, the last last couple of years I haven't run with headphones. I just oh, really? sit there and, you know, sometimes it's good because you get to hear the birds, you get to hear little mm-hmm. rustles. Sometimes you scare yourself because you hear like a, a thing sliver off into the distance <laughs> and you think, oh, is that a snake? Or? <laughs> do you speak to other guys on the track? Like, not necessarily speak to them, but when you're running, do you sort of get someone that's on your pace and then sort of team up basically as a sort of pace setters and stuff like that? Or can you have outside people, secondary question, as pace setters for you? That's you, You're not supposed to, but yeah, it does happen. Yeah. does happen. Um, the one thing you find, and I was really amazed when I first started this, is that everyone's just out there to do the best they can. So... It's not like I'm going to beat you, so I'm not going to help you. It's like as long as I can, you know, all I want to do is do the best I can. If I can do something that's going to help you along the way, I'll do it. So, yeah, you talk to people along the way and, you know, like you're going to see someone when you're in the same rhythm as them, you might pass them and then, you know, coming downhill and then they'll pass you going uphill and then you'll pass them two minutes later then you'll pass them ten minutes later and that could go on for six or seven hours so you end up like at some point just walking together and talking and you know at the end of the race you're you're saying goodbye to him and you know his wife's name and you know their you know kids and you know what he's doing like where he goes on holidays that's pretty cool well you've got 17 hours to do that (laughs) so there's this one race my favourite ultra marathon is, and I've spoken about this on the podcast before. I think I've even put a link up on our Facebook page. It's the Barkley Marathons. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. So it's in Tennessee. So it's a, it's a 105 miler, I think. Uh, and, so, and it's through like, there's no course. So you've got to sort of pick the course up, but it's a loop. So you yep. do three, five loops is complete. So you do two loops then reverse two loops and then your last loop is whichever way you want to want to do the loop but uh it takes the winners i think it was run for in two there's a, a doco on netflix called the barkley marathons only 12 people have ever finished it oh really so if you complete three loops it's called like a uh you get a i don't know what it's can't remember what it's called but a certificate or something basically yeah. it's like that's that's as good as finish if you finish all five and you've got to finish it under 72 hours I think that's the uh, that's the thing. But these guys, like, same thing, like they'd run, but it wasn't like as much as it's a race, it wasn't like as a competition. It was like camaraderie. Yeah. There, was, there was a, it was more a challenge. We were all it, we're all into this really it, hard sort it, of hard event. We're all in it, it is like that. Like you turn up on race day, and it, it, I've never met like been in a, a, a sport where everyone is so friendly and. It's it's a great atmosphere. It's like fun. You go in there and race day. Everyone's talking to each other. Even when you see like you know the professionals that have come over. Yeah, they're going to win, but they're there. They're talking to everyone, and just to get there to the start line is sort of a big achievement. Like all of the stuff you've actually done beforehand to get you to that point, mm-hmm. and then you know on the day whatever happens happens. You just put your mind down and just start walking if you have to. What are that? What are you averaging speed wise? It's it's nothing like you you know for obviously the, if you've got to walk for part portions yeah of it. and 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 that's a big thing so the ox uh, sorry the Norface 
is uh, they have belt buckles. So a lot of a lot of these yes. things they have like a belt buckle, or they'll have something that you'll get if you get it if you finish under a certain time. Oh, all right. So 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 for North Face, you get a bronze belt buckle if you finish under twenty hours, which is a great time. When you actually put that down, it's five k's an hour. Yep. And when you think of how fast five k's an hour is, it's not yeah. that quick. But when you you need to be a constant five k's an hour, so you need to be five k's an hour going up the stairs, five k's an hour going down the stairs, five k's an hour at the eighty k mark. And you got those two breaks or three or four yeah, breaks in between, yeah, so you, you got, got to make up that five k. Yeah. So, but the actual average speed isn't that quick, but it's just being a constant. You'll see there's guys out there that will almost walk the whole way but they'll walk at the same speed no matter what's in front of them, mm-hmm. whether they're climbing up you know, 200 stairs at a 50-degree you know, angle, 60-degree angle, or if they're coming down at that speed, it's the same constant pace the whole way, and you know, their average time is actually normally pretty good. Wow. So I saw those buckles on a few other, like, like the big ones have them too, so yeah. which silver buckles under a certain time, bronze, and then obviously it must be, is it a gold yeah, buckle or no, something? No, normally the gold is for first place, and then for uh, North Face is under 14 hours, you get the silver, and then under 20 you get the, the, the bronze. bronze. What's, um, in a couple of longer runs I've done, um, once you get to, once your body starts sweating, and material starts rubbing on your skin. Like I get, I get got this strange thing where my nipples always chafe when I run. <laughs> Everyone says that I've never had my nipples chafe. <laughs> you must never. Do you have a belt buckle for nipples? Oh. What's going on? <laughs> I never have, and I, I think I've got pretty big nipples. Like you better to get a chafe. Should be Yeah. Um, preparation um, Vaseline. Mm-hmm. It's your friend, so you just use it. So I, I lather up before I'm going on a run. Yeah. Um, yeah, always have it. So. Yeah, So, but it's Good. those niggly things. Like, you must start a marathon. You're like, fuck, I'm 7Ks in, and I've got this itch on the back of my right heel, and, and that's all yeah. I'm focusing on. They're, and, and they're the big things. Like, that's where your preparation can go out the window. Like, a, a little piece of rock in your sock. Yeah, you don't prep for that. Yeah, oh. like... It, like Stop and get it out because if that becomes into a blister at like 10, 15 Ks, you've got another 85 Ks you're going to have to put up with it. That could end your race right there. Yeah. So it's those little things, you know, like making sure you got Vaso. So, you know, like when I run, I'll have a little bit of a, um, a like first aid kit on me, which has, you know, Vaso. It's got blister packs. It's got all these little things where you think, okay, well, if this goes wrong, it may not be a big issue now and I could, you know, continue running through it, but later on, how how is that going to affect me? Is that going to stop my race because mm-hmm. my feet are wrecked by the time I get to 80, 90 Ks? So in some of your races, you must have some stories of where you've came into these uh, kind of roadblocks, <laughs> like the rock in your shoe. The um, Well, obviously your nipples have been pretty good of late, but, <laughs> you know, do you have any kind of stories from the races that you've experienced? I think the big one was when I got sick. Yeah. Like, I was really sick, and that went bad really quick. Mm. Um, what did people say at the checkpoints when you – you obviously went to another checkpoint, you were out of it. Were, were yeah. people like you – if your mum and dad are in your support crew and whatever, were they going, mate, you can't keep going yeah, on? Yeah, there was one point where I – I, I didn't think I was that bad and I was actually walking up and I was going down a track and this girl stopped next to me and she's like, are you all right? She's like, do you want me to stay with you? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm cool. I'm good. She's like, are you sure? Are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. She's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go up ahead 
if you need anything, yell out. So she took off and I thought to myself, I must really look bad if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, when I got into the checkpoint, I just told him, look, I'm, I'm struggling. Just get me through it. Let's not worry about the time, all of the prep. I said, you know, oh, it's just going to be a, f- a finish. Is it that's just, all I'm and that's do. a mental thing for you? Like you, you, you got to the start line, so I'm going to finish it. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Like it was sort of, and I think all of the training and everything you do beforehand, it gets you to that point. You know that you know you've done 40k runs, you know, so you've done all this prep work to get yourself to that situation. You know, you don't really want to let something like that finish it. So even if it does take you 20 hours, 30 hours, you know, you just put one foot in front of the other and you just keep walking. Mm-hmm. Um, just finish because you'd be gutted if you yeah. pulled out. And and that's a big thing. Like, you know, I know guys that have and, you know, it's the one thing that bites them that they just think, you know, I've done all this prep work for the last six months to get to a point and I've had to pull out. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, 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 they'll never live it down. Have you heard that guy, David Goggins? Um He's a he was like he was a former Navy SEAL. Then he turned um, ultra marathon runner. And he was talking about the first time that he ever ran um, 100 miles. Um, it was to get into one of those races. I'm, I'm not sure that the name of the exact race, but he thought you know he was a pretty fit dude. Um, uh, you know he trained in, in these seals training um, to, to join the seals. What the, is it called? Death? What's it called? The Death Valley one. No, the anyway. It's, We'll, fight, we'll, yeah, we'll fact, fact check this later. <laughs> but he was talking about how he'd ran um, and got to the 70-mile mark. And this is where he's, like, his feet were just... His feet would were, look like a shadow of what they used to look like. <laughs> he, um, he he said he's, he sat down and just couldn't get up. He couldn't get up. He's urinating in his pants, you know, like he, he just couldn't move his body. And he said he still had 30 miles to go and he was at that point. Like, so for people listening, like, the, don't deny the actual, the, the stress you put your body under um, to run these races. Yeah. Yeah. You, like I said, you're going to be sore. You're going to lose toenails. You, you, you are. And you get to that point and you are sore, but part of you expects that. So you probably sometimes don't realize how bad it is. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's probably what happened to me is that I didn't realize I was that sick and I was like, yeah, okay, you're a bit slow, you're struggling a little bit. You know, let's get to the end, mm-hmm. got to the end, finished it, you know, sort of was on the ground and then thought I need to go to the toilet. So I went to the toilet and then a little bit of my urine dripped onto a bit of the um, toilet paper and it was red. Blood. And oh, I realised yeah. it was blood. You're pissing yeah. blood. You're, 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 <laughs> yeah. Do you go straight to the docks then? No, I didn't actually. I, went, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that's a bit worrying. So, yeah. Yeah, For people listening, <laughs> if, if blood comes out of your doodle, um, that's a bad that's thing. That's not right. It's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up going home and um, was sick the next day. <laughs> And laid Jeez. on, uh, lay, laid on the tiles because they were nice and cool. Oh, yeah. And um, so I was about twenty six at the time. And then my mum come over to my house because I hadn't answered my phone all day to check on me and asked me if I wanted to go home. And I said, yes. <laughs> so, so I ended up back at home on the lounge like I would when I was like, you know, 10 and sick for you. And said, mum, get me some ice cream. <laughs> and I, I couldn't hold anything down. I wasn't able to eat, wasn't able to drink. And I think on the Monday ended up in hospital with dehydration and, yeah, rapto. Do you weigh yourself pre and post weight? Yeah, I, I, I Race, do. Sorry. I I do because I like to see 
where I end up and actually if I do lose anything. So most of the time on the races, I'll end up even. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and, and, and compared to like how much you actually eat that day and how much you drink, you, you do use a lot. But on this day, I weighed myself and I was about two kilos under after the race and then I ended up losing five or six kilos in the next few days. Jeez. Uh, How long did it take to bounce back from that? Like, when was your next... When did you go, I'm comfortable to run again? (laughs) I tried to actually quit. I was actually... That was it. I, I didn't want to do it again and the guys I ran with got into my ear and they were just like, you can't let it beat you. You can't let it beat you. You won't, you know, let yourself live with the fact that, you know, you you only just got through it and you didn't finish on your terms so they said come back and do one more just do one more so it took me about six months of no running and then dusted off the shoes and started running again and that's sick was sort of a bit like no nah, i'm not going to enter not going to enter and then next minute yeah it's, it's, I ended. It's, it's, they said you, you're running going, yeah, i'm doing it i was <laughs> back in it and i was just like all i want to do is finish in a better situation than what i did last year as long as i don't end up in hospital good I'm on you happy. Babe. have you got your next challenge lined up for ultras or is you, are you oh. are you still doing them are you done are you uh, we did one last year so that was the team one with oxfam and since then i've only spoken to two of the guys <laughs> so you so, want to do them but you just it's hard to find the team because everyone keeps breaking yeah, up yeah that's it <laughs> um so yeah at the moment don't have anything planned but i i, I think i'm really due for something because i find with myself that if i don't have something to work towards things sort of go out the window i like you know my training starts to 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 go down um my nutrition starts to go away if Mm -hmm. i have something planned and something that i can work towards then i can you know put my mind to it i know that i'm doing it for a purpose so yeah we've spoke about that before even with something as simple as a friggin' holiday (laughs) you know like you always if you've got something to aim to and work towards your nutrition is easier to stay in check you're fitness you go into the gym whatever's gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna continue it because you've got something to work for yeah that's right you, 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 you for me i can put my mind towards something and say this is what i'm going to work for this is you know mm. the next few months you know those times where you know you're out at the bar and you're buying that extra beer or you want to get the kebab on the way home you sort of think yeah, yeah. maybe not that's not going to help me you know tomorrow when i have to try and run that's like uh, remember John Gordon we were talking about earlier in one of the earlier episodes. He's, he talks about having um, your uh, your telescope, your big long range goal, which would be you know runs at the hundred miles, and then you've got your microscope, which is your, your short term goals, which is focus on your diet this week. You know, it'll get get good sleep, make sure you're stretching and warming up. You know, like looking after your body yeah. to ensure that you can get to that that goal. And and hearing you know you run these long distances, you got um, obstacles, which can be your body. But uh, I do a bit of running. Uh, around home though so i run like uh i've got a 6k track that i run and one of the uh biggest obstacles is i I was running one morning and and coming around like this new estate so they just put in like new paths and and whatnot so i'm just burning down the path got my headphones on you know doing my (laughs) (laughs) breathing to my rhythm and then boom i've just gone ass over and just you know landing on my um on my palms because the the path was a, a trip hazard like it was unleveled it's like you know it's like it hurt yeah, yeah. you know you know those pains like Ugh. so I was like it's okay I didn't let it defeat did me did you bro. finish your run I finished <laughs> I finished my run anyway next morning come back around headphones on 
just burning away. The exact same <laughs> full path. Boom, got me. It's like, what? That the- trip hazard is like your Skeletor if you were He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> so this time I was like, I'm going to take a photo of it. And I'm going to I'm gonna tell Council how, how dare they do this to me. Didn't send the photos. Start of the year. <laughs> start of the year. Got my new headphones. I was like, I'm going to run that. <laughs> I'm going to run that path again. And I stacked it, and you can see the mark, the scratch on my oh, headphones, no. three times. <laughs> this, like, I, I, I wonder, like, uh, and I'm trying to understand, how could that possibly happen? It's like, you, they, you go into this, like, a- automatic mode, which I've tried to mention a bit earlier. Like, you just... There's a saying, isn't there? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool, f- shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Fool me three times. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you notice when you come down my house down the street, but you see all the uh, the works going on the pathways. <laughs> so I was like, the council's like coming and replacing the whole pathway. It's like, so was it I'm painted glad, yellow? I'm- <laughs> it was it painted yellow? Yeah, like the council come out and no, like, no, oh. it was in a new. It's in the new area. So there's uh, a plaque on it now, isn't it? It says here, here lies a trip of Farmer Maguire. Don't worry, I'm going to go back to that path and give that a bell buckle. <laughs> So what else do you do outside of running now, both? Like you, you say you you always like to keep sort of. There's something you you need to do, whether it's boxing, footy, running. It's you're not if you're not planning for a huge ultra. What are you sort of? Yeah, what are you doing so now? at the moment, like I said, I'm I'm trying to think of my next one. So I was doing CrossFit for a while. I went from the running across the CrossFit. Did you buy right into the CrossFit? Did you buy into no, it cult-wise? Cult I tried not to, but um, it is a bit of a cult. And, yeah, that that was one of the things that did annoy me a little bit with it. But I was in a really good gym and the guys were really good and it was just like going to your mate's house. So mm-hmm. that was good. Um, yeah, so I tried that for a while, but that's too hard on your body. That was probably the one thing that I haven't been able to... That was harder than doing a 17-hour. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, it's different. Different. Um, But isn't it crazy? We're talking about ultra marathons. We're talking about CrossFit. It's one thing that is constantly evolving. Fitness, like that whole regime, it's it's not stagnant. It's one thing that is definitely building. And and one thing, like especially about CrossFit, you know, you mentioned there's like a cult. Like there definitely is a community. You know, like um, although you may run by yourself, like there's a community of runners that you tap into. You may train by yourself, but, you know, you go to CrossFit. It's, It's something that... I wonder what it is what people are seeking, um, you know, because everyone loves to be a part of a, a community like that, you know, And but now you, that you, you've been able to mix these, you know, what are the traditional communities? It could be a, a church community, or, but now you, when, you, when you, you're able to amalgamate these two together, it's pretty interesting, like, what's happening in that space. I think that's just human, human nature, that you always want to be part of something and whatever community it is if there's a group of people that are doing those things they're going to like come together and it, it that's what brings the happiness people they're in a mix and sharing stories working together and you know you get that connection with someone else and it you know it does does make a lot of the work easier it's like, crazy a like-minded people always find a way to each other though to do stuff whether it's running there's a great running group uh, up in glenbrook at that there's yeah. a running shop up there but it seems to be a pretty pretty good community yeah, yeah. so that's well. where i started was with all the guys from there so yeah, um, right. and they they've gone on now and opened a shop and started a little running club up there mm-hmm. so oh, we were driving up to um glenbrook for my daughter's uh, swimming lessons and saw one of the social motorbike clubs at the side of the road you know the old older kind of crew and i was looking at that, i said babe i'd love to do that 
I would love to have a crew because obviously you've got the community there where you stop and you can, you know have a coffee or whatnot, but then you get to go on the road and have a bit of that space by yourself and, and just do some, you know, I don't know if they measure it based, you know, let's do 200 Ks today. Yeah. But what a, what an awesome, you know, thing to be a part of. Like, like you think of, you move beyond what, you know, with your current age group, with your, with your body and its, its limitations <coughs> as, as, as you get older. Like, people do search for that, you know? Yeah, I think they do. I think, I think you always want to be part of something. And if you're not, like, if you... Oh, I've been doing a little bit of, like, you know, if you ever read any of the Dalai Lama's books, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, one of the biggest, you know, killers of people is loneliness. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, not being in a community. And if you speak, read any of his books, like he said, the one thing that will make you happy is, you know, being more involved in a community, whether mm-hmm. that's your local community, a church community, mm-hmm. um, a sporting community. It's just being together and having that human in- interaction. Mm-hmm. It, it, but it, like he said, human. You know, I'm doing a course right now on, on social media and, and looking into it. And, you know, people... Uh, they, it's like a loneliness epidemic, you know. People, you may be on social media, you, you may be a part of all these different social groups, but it is not feeding something that the like the spirit needs. So you're giving yourself false connections with people. I, I got 200 friends on Facebook, and I spoke to Tommy today. But <laughs> yeah. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, did, did you really? really? No, but I poked him and liked his post. <laughs> yeah. He's eating spaghetti bolognese tonight, <laughs> and and that's like the the value. Someone's value online is measured in likes and measured in how many people follow them it really is and you know like i found that when i was you know doing crossfit there was a lot of guys in my gym and a couple of them were right up there and they use the whole social media aspect as a business Mm -hmm. they use that to be able to get followers to you know get promotions to get sponsors and you know to get guys go to their gym and the one thing I was surprised about is like the amount of work that goes into this to get that perfect shot. Like I would see him work for, you know, an hour, two hours to get this one shot. And then when it posts, it's like, just did an easy workout today. And then they have the workout and they have the show. I'm like, you didn't even do that workout. Yeah. Yeah. You've just made that up. This, uh, yeah, that's the online life versus yeah. what's really out there. Yeah. And that's where oh, okay, I reckon heaps of young people get tripped up on that they think they see this, uh, uh, these perfect lives that other people have and go, why isn't my life so good like that? And mm-hmm. that, that's, this, that's a new pressure that didn't exist. 30 years ago didn't it didn't exist when we were teenagers because facebook wasn't around then mm-hmm. and it, it will and it's very it, it, it's very easy to get caught up in it when you you see this but we would see it like you'd see the the posts and then i'd see the same guys driving off in their old ford with a broken smash window that they can't afford to fix and they're sleeping on their friend's couch but when you actually see any of the posts they will live in the lavish lifestyle out Eating at restaurants, yeah. out with their mates drinking, but that was what they had to portray to get the people to follow them, to like their photos, to then use that as a business aspect yeah, in the a, track. It's a lot of like, yeah, it's a fallacy, and it. uh, uh, yeah, it, it's strange um, what, what's happening in the moment. And, but even like how you said, it's a business with um, you know Facebook. When Facebook first came out, it was. It served a purpose, had a purpose. People come in to literally connect with each other. It was something new, but now it's a predominantly a, a, an advertising platform, you know? Did, and, did and, you see that thing on a Current Affair last night with all the this way to go into Facebook? You go into your settings and then your accounts and you have all these people that have your data that can advertise to you 
Yeah. Like, so you've got, like, and I went and looked at it. Like, I've got a Tinder profile, apparently. I'm married. Oh. I'm married. And then I showed my wife, I go, apparently I'm on Tinder. And she was too. So it was perfect. <laughs> so we both went out on dates. But I had that, but I had, then Did I you had, meet each other on Tinder? <laughs> no, we didn't. Our Tinder wasn't even around then. Yeah. But we, uh, thought, there was all these other ads, and these people somehow got all their thing, and that's why I'm getting this stuff in my feed all the time. I talked about like getting my daughter, not even really, I was I was really bullshitting to her about getting a dog. Now I've got some thing in that ad thing, and pop, popping up with pet shop ads that have just started coming into my Facebook and stuff. Mm. I, I find that scary. When, when, when you talk about something random and then 10 minutes later your it's, phone actually sends you a, an ad yes. with that on there and you wonder actually how much data has been... Because they're listening to you on that microphone. You, you sign up, don't you, with Messenger, you give them permission to, give, yeah, to you, be hearing you so they're picking up keywords, I imagine now. And the, th- the thing about Facebook, they call it the, the Facebook black book because they don't share their algorithm. They're, they're not legally... Bound, bound to share how they um, use the data. So there's there's a couple of clever things that they do to um to you know to in order to customize the the stream for you. So based on who you you would be you are friends with. Um, let's just say I'm friends with um, GK which I am, and he goes off and he's into you know something that's a bit risque, like I don't know something that's shunned upon, like fighting in a plane, like white supremacy, whatever it is. If he starts looking at and liking pages like that, then some of that will um, feed onto me, depending upon my interactions with him. Yeah. So that that's one aspect of, of that network. But then it also takes into account your personal data. So you've got to be mindful of how much personal data you give away, because there's the argument. That you're bartering your privacy to to engage in in a network, you know, it's it, it, to to get like this new form of social capital. It, yeah, it's it's interesting, but they don't say exactly like a lot of people. It's like the KFC so eleven herbs and spices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a secret recipe. That is a secret recipe. Yeah, it will be very interesting where it it goes in the next ten years. And you know, you talk about you know bubbles that we all live in where. You know, social media coming out, and everyone thought at the beginning, this is going to be great. It's going to open it up for the world. You know, if you're in a little village in the middle of Siberia, you'll be able to speak to someone in New York and you're going to see all the stuff that's going on. But mm-hmm. I think what they're trying to find is because of the algori- algorithms, you your belief is only ever is sent. Like what you see in your newsfeed is what you believe because yeah. that's what you like. Yes. So it actually then creates a smaller bubble than what you would have had years ago and mm-hmm. you only ever see what you believe in. Because you're not getting that counter-argument. So no. say for, on, a, on let's use that American scale, if you're a Republican, you're only going to see Republican mm-hmm. right-wing right. stuff in your newsfeed, which is feeding you confirmation bias and go, yeah. fuck, I told you, see, see, see. But all the other people on the left, they're only seeing that stuff. Where's, where's the bit in the middle where you go, hang on, that's right, we're wrong here. But you're wrong there. We're like you, you're only feeding. It's not going to happen. It's anymore. confirmation bias. You're mm. only seeing that. They so. call it the echo chamber. Yeah, that's yeah. That's what Gee, it's called. You've done a lot of study in this course. You're doing. Yeah. Thanks, you're mate. Pull it out all the time. <laughs> I hope you're marking my papers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a comment on the end. <laughs> but yeah, but that that that's what it is. It, you you live in the bubble. Where do you get exposed? Because that was the whole idea of when when it came out. It was um. Well, 
since we're going down this road, hole, it's, it's called. Work. So it's called. <laughs> you want to? You want to be? You know what? You know the smart kid that doesn't want to show how smart he is now because then he won't have the friends. So you're going to dumb yourself down a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Uh, no, it's called Web 2.0. That's um, when it first came out. It was just a one-way line of information. But then you know when these new uh, the new technology come around and, and when you know internet connections um, evolved a little bit more, people could participate a bit more, and it was great. It was what you were saying, Bo, like. Finally, you know, these people in Kenya or whoever can, um, you know, participate in democracy, um, you know, a a bit more efficiently or, you know, now have now now be be exposed to this information. But yeah, but now it's just saturated with fucking advertising now, you know. That's what I'm. I'm so interested about you know obviously the dark web and you know where it is a different a different ball game. I was listening to this podcast um, called Case File. Have you heard of Case File podcast? Is that like cold cases? Yes, it's like that. But this one, um, uh, I guess. Well, they I guess no, case. I haven't heard about it. Yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> cold case. But there was and for people listening, go listen to it. It was this one on um, uh, the Silk Road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Silk Road and um, uh, yeah like the the whole story of that and it's just so interesting and and it started from this guy who had pretty strong political beliefs who wanted to be able to um, have a say you know who believed in people's uh, libertarian rights freedom of speech freedom of speech yeah and freedom to do what you will with your body and yeah man so interesting Um, so yeah side note people get into that that. and you know what it's three episodes so there's three hours of your next ultra marathon that's it that's it So you, so Bo, I guess with uh, with that ultra marathon, you got your, have you are you going to go back and do one you've done before for this next one, or are you going to go? I'm going to take a new challenge. I'm going to do uh, twenty laps of the city to surf. I would like to do something new. Or go overseas. <laughs> would you go overseas and tackle tackle one of those big ones that I see like Cam Haynes and stuff that, doing? That would be great. It's the preparation and then the cost that comes with mm-hmm. that. You know, you wouldn't want to go do it yourself. So then you're going to go over there. You're going to have to fly That's over a few team, people. Yeah. Your team. Um, it is a big cost. Like there's a guy I know at the moment. Like I said, that's doing the two hundred. Let's say two hundred mile, yeah, mm-hmm. in the states. So he's starting to train for that now. So that means that you know him and probably three or four others will have to go over there. Would um, you piggyback the off that since he's got a team going there now? Oh, that's <laughs> not, not that far. That's a long way. So what's two, what would two hundred miles take someone to run? Uh, I think he he's done the um, coast of Kosciuszko, which is a two forty k one, which obviously you run from the coast yeah. to the top of Kosciuszko. I, and I think he actually fell asleep doing that. Rock he was moving. Yeah, so, so so this is one of the big ones where I think there's only, the, you know, they may only have 30 or 40 people entered in it. He was running on the road, had his support crew behind him in the car with the had, hazard lights on, and then they just saw him just fall over. And they come up to him and said, mate, what's going on? And he goes, I don't know, because I was just running and then I was here. And then, yeah, that someone said, oh, I think you fell asleep. So, yeah, that, that, that's when you're talking days. and so a lot it's of like those 72 ones, hours. Yeah, and a lot of those ones have a mandated, like, sleep spot where you have to be at a checkpoint for, you know, six or seven hours so they know ah, that, you okay. know, options are that you're going to at least have four hours sleep in that point because, you know, the whole sleep deprivation does kick in if you're, if you're using a lot of energy and you're going to be on the track for, you know, over 24 hours. And it's something to think about. 
That's yeah, that's nuts. I was just before you come in, we're looking at um, the effects of running on your brain. So I'll read this statement now. Do you agree with this? <laughs> and I may not be able to pronounce all the words from this article. <laughs> the. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a, what is that? Uh, Kingpin? Yeah. Um, as, so it says uh, this frontal human neuroscience um, journal. So runners show greater connectivity between these two parts of your brain called your frontal parietal network and other neural regions, which are involved in working memory and self-control. So they reckon long-distance running can have an effect on someone's brain where they're able to focus, develop greater self-control and have a greater working memory. Does that alone with you? I don't know. That's. Um, I was waiting for you to say, "What was the question again?" Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like that. Um, no, I think um, I've never noticed that. No. But 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 now that you're saying that, you know, like you know, when you're running and you, you I guess, any type of training for me, then I feel more self-control. Mm-hmm. So that works in with that. But what I find is that, like I said before, it gives me my space, and it does make me feel better. So I know, like when I'm running a lot there's times where I know I'm just going to be I can leave the phone at home I'm not going to listen to phone calls I'm not going to get emails I'm out there you're out in the bush you're Mm -hmm. listening to birds you're you're running and then you come back at the end and I feel happy so for me you know I don't really know if that's happening to me but I feel happy at the end of it Mm -hmm. yeah there you go it's I agree it just sounds like mindfulness you know it just really is like based from the the fast pacedness of our lifestyles and it is you're just out there especially trail running you know you get up early if you're running out in the mountains and you're watching the sun come up and it changes from being dark running in headlamps to then the sun just breaking through and Mm. you know fog coming off your breath and then next minute you know it's the sun's up and it's going to be a nice day it's beautiful when yeah. you're out there it's a great way to experience it, the world it is that's it why is. there must be an argument set for going overseas and, and going to one of the exotic kind of ultra marathons just to experience uh, yeah it would be it'd be a nice you thing. know it would be a pretty tough but those guys the what do you, the guys who drive the cars with the um had the hazard lights on the oh, the support crew. crew. The support crew. That'd be a tough job too. Jeez. Oh, it is. It's an ultra marathon like, keeping your foot on that accelerator at the oh. right pace to maintain the speed. <laughs> just, just, yeah, like we've... If he fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is. It's very much a team a team sport. Like, you know, there is one runner out there or, you know, if you're in a team, you've got your team, but then you've got a group of people behind you that... I wouldn't have been able to finish any of mine without without having them there. And, you know, they're up at the end, you know, like a lot of the time they're at the start line with you and they're the one that, you know, has three hours to get to the checkpoint. They wait all that time for you. They get all your gear for you and I run in. I quickly eat the food, get them to fill up my water, have a change of clothes and say, I'll see you at the next one. Mm-hmm. And then go there and then they, they have two or three hours to kill while they're getting ready and I expect everything to be ready when they are. I become a bit of a bastard when I get in there. So they've got a run <laughs> sheet for when you're coming yeah. in going, I want this, this, this. I'll, I'll have a run sheet yeah. with you know suspected like, oh, idea of times and what I'm going to want. Um, and then, yeah, you get in there and 10, 15 minutes. So, you know, at the end, these people have followed you for the last, you know, 20 hours and they've probably only seen you for you know, an mm-hmm. hour out of that time, if that. So it is a big, a big help for those guys, and they it does it. It's a big effort. Like last one we finished, I think was five in the morning. I think we finished, so we started at eight in, eight in the morning, and we finished at five the following morning. 
and the support crew had been with us the whole, whole time. time. And then at the end, when I finish and hop in the back of the car and put on my comfy clothes, and I don't want to talk to anyone and fall asleep. <laughs> 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 They're going to drive home. <laughs> <laughs> Friggin' hell. Well, dude, is um okay? So you you're not 100 sure on if you're going to run another one. But if you were searching for support, where could people listening? Support you find out a little bit more, or you know, if you were reaching out to, um, you know, get get that support, whatever it may in in the shape of sponsors or in the shape of you know training. Well, like, is there is it is this a thing that you would go through to, you know, you got people listening? Is there a- any way that we could support you? Oh, I think for me, I've just got to put my mind down to it. I just got to say that, yep, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Um, really, I just got to find a race and enter it. Check out the Barkley Marathons. Yeah, I watch it on yeah. Netflix. And it will get if you've got. I'm not a runner, and my thoughts on running. If I stop going as fast, I'm actually walking. It's a lot more comfortable. <laughs> I, I watched that and went. Oh, I'd love to do that. If you watch that, Bo, we'll go fund me it so you can go over there and be the twelfth person to ever finish it. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, thanks heaps for coming in uh, and having a chat, man. No, That's thank you. Been, thank it's you. been uh, super interesting. Yeah, uh, so I, different. Yeah, so unique. It's such a unique thing. I've, like obviously, it's such a niche kind of sport. But you know, to- it it is. But I think everyone they sort of put it up on this pedestal. They're saying that I can't do that. And the one thing that I found is that I I truly believe anyone can do it. It's just getting out there and actually running putting the time into your into your legs and like i said even if you walk the whole way you'll you will finish it you'll get through Mm -hmm. but it's just putting that work in beforehand so you know even if you can only run 500 meters start running 500 meters after a while turn that into a kilometer start running for 20 minutes a day and then just increase it over time and before you know it like i i think if you can run 15 20 k's you'll finish a 100 Mm k because all you got to do is break that up you're not going to run 20 k blocks you're going to run three four k's and then walk for 500 meters you're going to run three or four k's walk for a k Mm -hmm. so i think it's just putting your mind to it saying yep this is what i want to do and you'll be surprised the people you see out there on the track like there's you know 60 year olds 65 year olds out there 70 year olds that are they're, they're, they're not breaking any records, but they're still out there finishing. And mate, when I'm their age, I'd love to still be able to do something like that. Well yeah. said. Well said. I uh, I challenge you to do that far because you're more chance of doing 20Ks than me. I, I want to I do the, what is it, the 21 half marathon? The half marathon. Start with the city of the surf. When you hear half marathon, you're like, I laugh what? at its face. Well, no. <laughs> also, I reckon the marathon was one of the hardest things I've done. Oh, the why? marathon because you do forty two k's in three hours, like I did so in three pace. hours. So my pace was ridiculous, and that that was probably one of the hardest things oh, okay. to done. Where because your pace is completely different, so you got to maintain mm. that. Yeah, so maybe get the half marathon. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's not about me; it's about I guess both. So, dude, thank you so much for coming in today, and um, yeah, dude, we're gonna we'll keep track and uh, share any new uh, developments with what you're doing with your running. But yeah, no dude, it's very thank interesting. You. Check us out on socials, GKNF. Go on to iTunes, the podcast, anywhere you find a good podcast. And yeah, the, and the ones you don't see us, they're shit ones. Uh, but give us, <laughs> no, uh, we're on all of them now. Yeah, so <laughs> so they're, they're all good. good. They're all good. <laughs> they're all good. <laughs> and they're, give. 
Give us five stars. Give us rate us subscribe. Give us five stars. Share if you're interested in an episode. Share the episodes. It helps us uh, continue to bring these to you. Um, the ad you heard before it, uh, before this episode for Fortitude Nutrition. I'm actually using them at the moment, and I am down six k's. Six kgs, six kilo, six kilograms. He is a very tall person. They, it works. <laughs> <laughs> it works. This stuff works. Check them out. Check out Fortitude Nutrition, uh, one of our sponsors. They're uh, they've been awesome so far. F, dude, thank you very much. Thank you, Bo. Thank you. We are. Peace.